When I was an adolescent, there was something in me that dreaded the thought of being raped and having a child conceived by such an atrocious act of hatred and power over me that my lineage, that my body and soul could merge with that of some barbarian who overwhelmed me physically must have been a distant memory, an ancient memory of that which has plagued women since the Stone Age. I was shocked only recently to hear that some silly man, a congressman, had said that if all children conceived in rape could be aborted, none of us would ever have even been born because that was the way it was. It seems so astonishing to me that he wanted to go back to the barbarian ages. Surely in our time, not every woman is subject to that. It depends. We still have to avoid going out in the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time. We have to protect ourselves from that. But there was for the last 50 years in this country the possibility of at least having that terrible waste of our lives be imposed upon us by some stupid human being. I don't like to say man because I'm not against all men. Obviously, I had a wonderful father myself. But these are the facts of life that women have to live with and have had to live with since the Stone Age. So now, in this country, human rights are bestowed by law upon any sperm and egg that meet. This, of course, does not mean that every egg must be fertilized. It only means that the emitter of sperm may decide and override any objection by the incubator of her egg when sperm fertilized. Now, this is an ancient debate that's been going on since the patriarchy installed itself as the dominant culture across the planet. But that has not always been so. That occurred when the turning point in history caused our species to migrate across the entire planet in order to find more carrying power in the environment for its ever-increasing population. Since sperm number in the billions with each cubic centimeter of ejaculation, it is characteristic of haploid cells, which like all genetic encoding, appear to our consciousness as thought images for the XY chromosome to seek to fertilize, and characteristic of the XX chromosome 
to be fertilized for fulfillment in having a baby, which is the old language. The new scientific language is that the release of the nervous system in orgasm is fulfilled in women after 10 lunations of 27 and a third days, the orbit of the moon around the earth, when a baby is born, whereas the release in a man's nervous system is immediately after ejaculation. And what happens is that men are always seeking that kind of fulfillment. And women's fulfillment doesn't necessarily happen in orgasm. An adolescent boy can hardly outlast a goat. And I did see a goat inseminate a female goat once. Or actually, I didn't see it because I blinked. Now we seem to have progressed very little in terms of our thinking about this reproductive function of our species. Even a congressman recently made the ridiculous claim that if abortion were allowed for rape victims, none of us would be here. Uh, we will continue with the present problem of separation of church and state. And that comes from the original meaning of what religion is. Science is telling us that religion is a function of the brain integrating its two different modes of knowing. The inner world meaning to the body's health and survival, and the outer world meaning of the environment. I'm going to call these the modus operandi of gnosis, which is the Greek word for inner knowing or recognition, and science, which is the Latin word for outer knowing of facts. And generally speaking, every fact is preceded by thinking. So human rights are bestowed by law in this country now upon any sperm and egg that meet. Since sperm number in the billions with each cc of ejaculation, it is characteristic of haploid cells, which like all genetic encoding appear to our consciousness as thought images, for the XY chromosome to seek to fertilize and characteristic of the XX chromosome to be fertilized for fulfillment in having a baby. Whether by the immeasurable percentage of miscarriages or by abortion, the termination of a pregnancy releases hormone fluctuations that appear to consciousness as grief for loss. If women did not have this overriding desire or thought image, our species would have died out long ago. Perhaps like the other hominins we have learned about only since the computer and the DNA analysis of genomes 
in the fossil record during the last 30 years. Genes appear to consciousness as thinking, and any species has thought characteristic of its genetic programming. Before we get to language and the FOXP2 gene, let's talk about one fundamental example of archetypal thinking. Archetype means ancient imprint, which is the meaning or mythic function of human language as thinking, storytelling, meaning, how it feels inside. This is a complementary function, completing reason or the science function in our bicameral brain the two hemispheres that are integrated by the corpus callosum, a bundle of nerves joining them. Like science, the meaning or mythos knowledge method must also be taught. It is loosely recognized as discriminative thinking, but unless it is integrated from the interior being with the factual exterior of one's environment, it comes up with fiction. The Fifth Council of Constantinople in the ninth century decided an issue that split the patriarchs of Christian churches remaining at the time from Paul's travels to spread his understanding of the teachings of Jesus. It was embarrassing to the Romans that their new religion chosen to resurrect the ethos of Rome, the patriarchy, the virtue or manhood of the Roman man, had been founded by someone they had executed for sedition against their military rule over Mediterranean commerce. Half a millennium earlier, the Roman emperor Constantine was trying to set up a new Rome at the crossroads of East and West, as the original city of Rome and Italy was toppling to the dangers of barbarian payback for the determined spread of Roman power throughout the Western Peninsula we call Europe today, of the central landmass of Asia and Africa. What was happening already in the first millennium we now date in the global calendar by the birth of Jesus, the Jewish prophet whose life and death resonated with the turbulence of Roman civilization as it peaked in his lifetime and then fell. This was a process that had begun 500 years before Jesus when the three-century-old tribal village of Rome had to make a comeback from being nearly wiped out in 390 BCE by the barbarian Gauls through doubling down on military might. The violence was gruesome, but it was effective. Militarism was the source of male privilege at the time when history changed because of the population density with respect to the carrying power of the land, which drove our species across the planet in migrations that are still going on today.
Jesus's life occurred at the culmination of the spread of our species during the first millennium before Homo sapiens across the central landmass of Europe, Asia, and Africa had to reach a population density that a non-technological economic system could support the natural carrying power of the land. The competition for the best land was fierce and so were warriors. The culture responded by imposing might makes right and selecting to band together young men sent off to impose the national interest of the culture through conquest and its result, slavery. To get them to do that, there had to be privileges. Those that survived in hacking at their enemies returned to enjoy the privilege of power. The conquered did the work the conquerors made them do. Conquest and slavery are two sides of the same coin. The imperialism of migrations across the planet by our species to settle the entire planet and take over domination of all other species in the web of life. Slavery became part of economics at least until modern times and the industrial revolution of technology. We would have it still if we did not invent machinery. Civilization began when the nomadic tribes of our Stone Age found other tribes had settled down into the territories they had for millennia come to live on during their seasonal rounds. Hail fellow well met became these interlopers are our enemy. It was a population density problem that began when we reached the carrying power of the land and had to migrate. And slavery was the reward for the power of fierce, warriors, which became a selection criterion for manhood. Two sides of the same coin, conquest and slavery, also changed our culture from reverence for life to subjugating women to produce men, usurping the goddess function and telling it what to do. Empire or imperialism exists still and is just another economic system that is the result of the carrying power of the land being saturated and scarcity becoming an internal fight over sharing the commonwealth within a society or group world. It became incorporated into economics as immutable, just as the wastefulness of throwaway production 
has brought us to threaten ourselves with extinction by the planet that can no longer tolerate our taking more than our fair share from the web of life and not giving it back to be used and transmuted in the cycle of life energy. The original city of Rome was once again invaded in 476 of our common era, the period from 390 BCE till 476 of the Common Era, was the millennium in which our present civilization crystallized a culture that today is being exposed by science through a series of events brought on by plague, war, conquest, slavery, and famine. The issue that split the Christian church communities in the ninth century was over this question. Is the soul created by God at conception for one and only lifetime to determine its everlasting life after death? Or does the soul have no beginning nor end because it is made in the image of God? and is a microcosm of the divine, which therefore has to return to God or be obliterated. There were ramifications of these two positions which split Christianity east and west. One was whether women have souls, since we are obviously only vessels to incubate the homunculus or little human being in the sperm, which was all that men could see at the time. Homo, of course, meant man, not human, which would include woman. Since the late Stone Age, there have been only about a dozen millennia of civilization. The word originally is related to city, the first form for groups settling down and claiming the territory, defending it against all comers, either by assimilating these migrants into the culture as an identity with the settled group, or by beating them off and enslaving them. History before that could be said to have begun when our species developed an ability to communicate through symbolic sounds along with the physiological apparatus for speech and hearing some 70,000 years ago. Science, through the analysis of stochastic variation across generations and thanks to the computerization of DNA analysis, has also determined that this mutation traced to the FOXP2 gene that developed and spread into a critical mass of our species in order to prevail in our entire genome, probably what prevented our particular species from dying out. Although science is still on the trail of the genomes of Neanderthals and Denisovans, as other hominins for which we have fossil DNA, to find whether they had the power of language communication, it is certain that 80,000 years ago there were only 
10,000 individuals of our species, Homo sapiens, still alive. Until we learn to collaborate through language to take ourselves out of the middle of the carnivore food chain where nature had placed us in size and speed, we were not going to survive. It appears that we had split from a common ancestor with chimpanzees and bonobos 600 millennia ago, along with the Neanderthals, and they had left Africa 400 millennia ago, as we sapiens had emigrated only 200 millennia later. Science tells us that was about the time the human brain spread its present structure and capacity throughout our species. Genetic mutations must reach a critical mass or number of individuals for the mutation to prevail in a species genome. Fast forward to 2022. Our species is spread across the planet to the natural carrying power of the land and even to the limit of technologically enhanced carrying power of the land resources for production that ignores the basic needs of some people and caters to saturate even the most frivolous desire of others. As a result, Many cannot develop their potential or even abilities to contribute to the social commonwealth. Human resources are wasted precisely because human are not resources. Distribution of the commonwealth is not justice, balancing the scale with the value of their actual contribution. That is the inefficiency of economics as ideology, a modern secular religion. That's not religio, as in tying together the two methods of knowing, science and gnosis, spiritual vision of meaning. The institution is manipulated once again by the powerful, as Dostoevsky described in the Grand Inquisitor chapter of the Brothers Karamazov. Not wanting to think about these questions is to shirk freedom as a burden. The burden of thought is to understand, to know oneself, as the Oracle of Delphi reminded pilgrims to exercise the religio integration by the brain. The major problem in our species today is our culture regarding our reproduction. We are stuck in childish self-indulgence over sex. We cannot even stop using the words that describe it as swear words to release our anger and power urges. Our attitude is that it must remain our egotistic indulgence free of moral interference in order to be enjoyed or else be hung up in socially competitive striving. 
Hollywood money-making is a mirror for life imitating art. Our children regard our cultural attitudes toward gender as so limiting their one and only lifetime, threatened already by species extinction from our environment because of our oblivious persistence and self-indulgence, that they want to choose to change their bodies with hormones and surgery. At adolescence, even before they are used to the compulsion by the onset of their bodies and reproductive hormones, the culture already programs them through music and shared language and thought to separate the act designed for conception from the fulfillment of species continuity. For the vessel of incubation, that is women, the culture since the Stone Age prescribes authority over the function. The male idea of God determines the coming together of sperm and egg. A young woman may find it inconvenient and have to delay her own entry into independent living by raising her reproduced self till its own adolescence whether she really wants to merge with this copulative partner in body and soul, or whether she's been seduced by the importunity of the male who is driven to quench his repetitive desire to disseminate billions of sperm. Instinct for love is the advance we need to make for our species to evolve qualitatively, and two children are all any member of our species today has the right to do. The problem we have in global cultures is the projection by society of group authority onto our concept of God. It is the male projection. There isn't even a goddess in contemporary religious projections other than mother of God. In a complex society that must continue to evolve, it is urgent for women to ovulate only when they know from the goddess power within that this is the merging of body and soul that will advance our species. This is the right use of contraception for women. If women only ovulate when they know the man is right to fulfill his crucial and indispensable role as father, then the moment of conception would be, in fact, what marriage is supposed to mean as sacrament. Like everything since civilization took over the migrations of our species over the entire planet, Marriage has been distorted into a commercial, social, and hierarchical power device to be used for culture. Young women throughout the planet have been reserved for the men of all ages who have survived their militaristic duties of expendable youth. Young men form their bands of brothers and feel glory in the duty as their most valuable work to contribute to the commonwealth that the power structure of that commonwealth is determined by the values of the powerful to remain in authority is the reason for locker room talk and for drug-induced date rape. Even their fathers perpetuate this systematic world of sex. 
the media, the music, the cool culture of language and colloquialism permeates the individual brain and the pill is something every fertile woman should take because unless she puts out, she's not going to be invited to the prom. Despite the DNA identification now of fathers, only women are responsible for an abortion, if not married. That a woman can bring a human being into this world even when the man just wanted sex may be the source of the anger and power usage of the word for the act in all cultures. It is certainly mirrored in the use of rape of the enemy's women as a weapon of war. By the time the human brain has fully myelinated intracortical neurons at age 30, fatherhood and social positioning within the economic structure of the male world changes men to start thinking of children and legacy and sex as reproduction. By then, their age cohort of women have already been brought up short by the fact of life that the female body reproduces in the first half of the lifespan. Women in the second half of life are still not considered sexy. This is the childishness of the Supreme Court presuming to take over the decision that all women must make as we age through the seven stages of life. What is a woman? She is a human being whose ultimate duty is to use the wisdom of the goddess for the very few eggs she may grow to reproduce herself as a member of a species that has far exceeded our place within the planet. The goddess tells us clearly we can only merge with a man our heart and soul and intellect tell us will father the next generation of our species to restore harmony and balance to the world.